You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Evening, but um, as Pastor said, uh, he has known us since we were toddlers. And one thing that he he has known through many of, te- of my testimonies of camp is that I am a baller and a crier. So you guys are about to find that out tonight. Um, he said at the beginning of our message that we had five minutes, roughly five minutes, to give a testimony. And um, I don't even really know where to begin when I think back over the summer. Um, all I can really just say is thank you. Um, Pastor, I'd like to thank you for letting us serve alongside you. Um, the love that you have for this church and for God's work is unbelievable. It's something that I want to emulate, and I'm sure Jacob does as well. Your patience with me and my shortcomings have been nothing less than a miracle. Thank you for not firing on the spot the first, the first day when I accidentally interrupted you on the piano during the first Sunday morning here. Uh, thank you for setting the high standard that you have and letting us try to match it. Thank you, Pastor, for a great summer. This, this summer would definitely not have been what, what it was without the Mowers either. Amen. Thank you, Brother Dana and Miss Renita, for taking in two complete strangers and making them feel as if you, they've known you forever. Thank you for giving us a home like you have for so many others. And thank you for the countless meals that we've consumed and, your, and the love that you've shown to us. Amen. The many sacrifices that you've made for us are greatly appreciated, even though you've done more than we probably even know. Thank you for staying up past your bedtime to talk with us and to see how our day went. (sighs) Thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. More importantly than that, I want to thank you for making us feel a part of your family. I will always consider myself a part of the Mauer family and cannot wait to see you all again. Thank you, Brother Dana and Miss Renita, for a great summer. It wasn't just Brother Dana and Miss Renita that made us feel welcome, though. It was also the boys. Thank you, Dan, for always telling me that your sports teams are superior to mine. <laughs> if any of you have met Dan, you know this is true. He is a through-and-through through Twins fan and a Packers fan. Your stubbornness has led to many debates and many arguments about sports, but at the end of the day, we were still brothers, and we still cared for each other. Thank you for the innumerable times that you said, Kurt, for no reason except just to say it. You have tested my patience some days, and when I've snapped, you've taken my criticisms like a man. Thank you, Dan, for a great summer. To Josiah, thank you for many hours we spent together on the trampoline. Thank you for showing me that I will never be the best at everything. On many occasions, I have seen you and thought, oh, I can do that, only to realize soon after that I cannot actually do that. I will forever remember you every time my back screams at me in pain when I pick something up. On a more serious note, though, thank you for your willingness to take correction. Whether it was about your actions or what you said, you took the corrections and tried to improve on them. Your catchphrase, let's go, and your energy to follow through on your words will forever be ingrained in my mind. Thank you, Josiah, for a great summer. And then Junior. There are many things I could say, but I guess I'll just start with thanking you for being my little brother. Thanks for the numerous nerf darts you have shot at me and the nervous little giggle that follows them. Thank you for always challenging me to competitions that you knew you were going to lose and then asking me for rematches once I beat you. Your smile is contagious, and you've always helped brighten my day. Even when wrestling, you find ways to laugh and exhibit true joy. 
Thank you for the times that you've let me pray with you during prayer meeting and allowing me to see the steps you've taken after salvation. Thank you, Junior, for a great summer. Since he's only given me 15 minutes, there's no way I could thank everyone in, in this room individually. Um, but I'd like to thank you all as a church. Thank you so much for being welcoming and forgiving. You've allowed us to make mistakes and then let us try to fix them. As someone who is on the receiving end of your hospitality and friendliness, I can personally say that it means a lot to someone when you genuinely try to get to know us. Thank you to everyone who has taken us out to eat or has welcomed us into, our, into your family. All of the food has been delicious and the fellowship has been wonderful. Although I'm obviously sad about the summer coming to a close, I'm excited to see the future that God has planned for Eastside Baptist Church. This summer has been amazing, and I can't wait to come back and visit you all. Thank you, Eastside Baptist Church, for a great summer. Well, now that the hard part's over, uh, I guess we'll get into the preaching. If you would please stand and turn to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14, we'll begin reading in verse 6. Sorry, I've always wanted to do this, and now's the time. Sorry, Jacob. (laughs) So Joshua chapter 14, beginning in verse 6. The Bible says, And then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made made the heart of the people to melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet hath trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am strong this day, as I was in the day of Moses, that In the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Thank you. You may be seated. I guess to start this message, I'll I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I've always loved exploring and finding new places to adventure. When hiking, I found that trails are boring and running wherever you want is the best way to go. Exploring has always appealed to me, partly because I have an active imagination. Growing up, I loved to imagine myself back before America had been discovered. There were no cities, no fields of crops, just vast amounts of land waiting to be discovered. I understand that being an American settler couldn't have been easy, nor was it very fun, but as a kid, I loved to fantasize this lifestyle. I loved to imagine myself being the first person to stumble across the Grand Canyon. Granted, it'd be hard for anyone to stumble across the Grand Canyon, but just being the first person to see that view would just be incredible. I've never been to the Grand Canyon, but I am hoping to make it out someday. But one place that I have been is California. Now, I personally love the mountains over beaches, but just to stand at the edge of the water and look out over the vast, uh, endless sea of water, you you almost can't help but just marvel at it. Coming from Oklahoma, it doesn't take a lot of nature to impress me. Um, But discovering these places would be amazing. So on one side of the spectrum, you have the Grand Canyon, and the West Coast. 
On the other side, we have Western Kansas. Now, every Thanksgiving, our family has the privilege to go visit my grandparents in Independence, Missouri. Unfortunately, our path takes us directly through Western Kansas. When we travel through Kansas, it feels as though time itself ceases to exist. We drive for what seems like days besides fields of nothing but dried up grass. Even though I might be exaggerating this just a little bit, I have never heard of a person who was planning a family vacation and thought, oh, western Kansas would be fun to visit. Other than family, there's really no other place, there's no reason to visit Oklahoma or Kansas. So on one side, we have the Grand Canyon, which would be incredible. However, on the other, high, on the other side, discovering western Kansas would be less than exciting. Imagine if settlers had come across Kansas and decided, eh, this is good enough. I don't feel like traveling any further. They would have never seen the Grand Canyon. They would have never seen the ocean. They would have never seen anything except endless plains. They would have missed out on so much. We would look at them now and think, wow, there was so much left for you to enjoy. In our passage tonight, we find a man by the name of Caleb. Caleb is an Israelite from the tribe of Judah and has been with the Israelites for his entire life. As a slave in Egypt, he has worked hard alongside his fellow Israelites to further the power of Egypt. He spent long days and long nights serving the Egyptians, not because he wanted to, but because he was forced to. Not only did he receive beatings when his performances were less than excellent, he, he had seen his parents also receive the same treatment. It's reasonable to assume from the time frame that we're given that Caleb was part of the people that cried out to God for deliverance. Little did they know that God was already working on a man by the name of Moses to lead his people out of slavery. As we know from other accounts in scriptures, Moses eventually came and delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. Ten plagues and one sea parting later, Caleb and the rest of his people were following Moses to the promised land. Along the way, he would see God miraculously, miraculously provide for his needs. There would be water that would come out of a rock, enough water to quench the thirst of an entire nation. Every morning, he would go out and collect his food for the day. Every day, he would see God take care of him and his people. Every day, he saw the benefits of trusting God and doing what he said. However, on the other hand, he saw many examples of his fellow Israelites who tried to settle for far less than what God wanted for them. He had seen them attempt to worship a holy God with a golden calf and with pagan rituals. He had seen some of them settle for the leadership of Korah instead of the leadership that God provided for them. He had even seen his leader Moses settle for anger instead of following God's instructions. Time and time again, he had seen the results of settling for something that God never intended them to have. As we look back to the book of Exodus, we find that this is the same Caleb that spied out the land of Canaan. Despite the giants in the land, Caleb and Joshua were confident that God would be able to do what he said he would do. This was the land that God had promised to them. This was the land that they'd heard stories about as little kids. This was what God wanted for them. Even though Caleb and Joshua were ready to claim God's will for their life, the, the people of Israel decided to settle for far less. As many of you know, Caleb and Joshua weren't the only men to spy out the land. While Caleb and Joshua brought back a good report, there were ten other people that came back. Uh, that, there were ten other men that couldn't bring themselves to see past the giants in the land. Instead of focusing on the power of God, they chose to focus on the power of man. These ten men were able to persuade the entire nation of Israel to settle for far less than what God had planned for them. Instead of inhabiting the land promised to them by God, the Israelites spent the next 40 years in the wilderness. Now, after the last person over 20 died, Joshua and Caleb finally entered the promised land. 
Despite reaching the promised land, there was still a lot of work to do. For the next seven years, the Israelites uh, spent spent those seven years defeated, warring against the people in Canaan. After the seven years of war, Joshua was about to pass off the scene. Although there was still a a lot of land left to conquer, God instructed Joshua to divide the land of Canaan between the tribes of Israel. It's here in our text where we find Caleb. Now an 85-year-old man, Caleb reminds Joshua of the promise Moses made to him 45 years earlier. If we look back to verses 8 and 9, we will see not only what Moses promised Caleb, but why Caleb received that promise. In verse 8, Caleb says, Nevertheless, my brethren... That w- Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people to melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou wholly followed the Lord that my God. We, we find that Moses promised Caleb land, and Caleb was ready to claim it. If we continue reading, we find that Joshua ends up, get, Joshua ends up giving Mount Hebron to Caleb. But what would be the reason that Joshua would give Caleb this great section of land? Well, as we read in verses 9, Caleb decided to follow God no matter where God took him. It didn't matter what the task was. Caleb was willing to accomplish it. Caleb's faith in God's ability to do what God said he would do allowed Caleb to trust God no matter the circumstance. Caleb followed God wholly. If we separate Caleb from his peers and compare the two for just a second we actually see that they accomplished many of the same things. Both Caleb and the nation of Israel trusted God to lead them out of Egypt. They had both cried out to God for deliverance, and God answered their prayers. For the most part, they trusted God to lead them through the wilderness. Now, granted that there were many times that they mumbled and complained about being in the wilderness, but they still ended up following Moses where Moses led. However, where we find Caleb and his companions splitting ways is when it came to how far they were willing to obey God. We find that Caleb's peers followed God to a certain extent, but were unwilling to wholly follow God. They were willing to trust God for food while in the desert, but were unwilling, but were unwilling to trust God with the walls of Jericho. They were willing to follow the pillar of fire through the wilderness at night, but were unwilling to follow God into battle. One look at the giants God wanted them to conquer, and Caleb's peers decided to settle for less than what God wanted for them. However, when Caleb saw the giants, he remembered God's promise. He knew, what, he knew that God had already given Israel the victory. Caleb's peers were only willing to follow God when it was convenient for them, but Caleb was willing to follow God no matter what the circumstance was. We even see this willingness in his request to Joshua. At the end of Caleb's request, Caleb mentions that there were still giants living in the great cities on Mount Hebron. After seven years of war, the Israelites had amassed a lot of territory in the land of Canaan, and Caleb was, after all, 85 years old. But instead of settling for land that was easy to claim and that had no giants in them and that had already been won, Caleb decided to continue to follow God's directions wholly. Now, uh, since my time's up, uh, the application, I'm going to make some short application be done. Now, I believe that the application to this message is pretty straightforward and it applies to every area of your life. Almost every area of our life is contaminated with this, it's good enough or I've done enough mentality. The sad part about this is that this mentality has crept into our churches as well. Sunday school teachers that used to dedicate hours to preparing for a lesson to teach little kids get tired of the preparation and settle for second best. It gets hard to pour yourself into kids week after week. Lessons take time to prepare. Visiting students is inconvenient. 
And sometimes you just don't feel like doing any of it. But if God's called you to serve in that capacity, then you should strive to be the best teacher that God wants you to be. To those who are involved in music, music is to be sung from the heart to a holy God. Unfortunately, it's not uncommon to find the special, the special music neglected till the day before it's supposed to be sung or played. Whether it's because we're too busy or we don't, have a, we don't view it as highly as we should, I don't know. But if God has called you to serve in the music ministry, then you should strive to be the best musician that you can possibly be. God deserves better than a rarely pra- practiced special. The list could go on and on, but I'm out of time, like I said. So I'd like to ask you, which ministry are you involved in? If you're not involved in any ministry, I would encourage you to find one. Plug into this church. There are, there are plenty of positions needed. Uh, there are plenty of opportunities for you to serve. And those of you who do, who do have a ministry, I'd like to ask you, have you settled? Are you content with just getting by? Are you fine with showing up late? Does it bother you, bother you when things aren't done to the best of your ability? Whether it's working in the nursery, teaching a Sunday school class, outreach efforts, or any other ministry that you have, if you want to wholly experience God's blessings, you must first wholly follow God. Thank you very much. He's probably right. That's the worst part. So uh, I'm actually going to go ahead and have you all take your Bibles. Don't stand, but turn to Philippians chapter 1. We'll get to the reading here um, in a moment. But I figured it would be better if I let you all turn there now so at least you'll know where you'll be before I break down and become, you know, unable to be understood. So turn to Philippians chapter 1. And uh, meanwhile, here we are. Um, This is strikingly similar to the very first time that pastor had us come up here to preach. Um, and yet at the same time, it's almost entirely different in the opposite kind of way. Um, first time, I was absolutely terrified because pastor told us each we had 15 minutes. And preaching for 15 minutes in front of a large group of people seems like forever. Um, especially if you've never done it before. <laughs> and, um, and this time, adversely, I've been told I have 15 minutes to speak in front of a bunch of people, and I'm nervous about whether or not I'm actually going to be able to fit everything I want to say into such a short amount of time. Um, I believe it was uh, Friday, May 24th, was the first day we got here, uh, when Curtis and I first got out of my truck from a really long and boring drive and set foot on the property of Eastside Baptist Church. Uh, pastor had called us earlier again in the school year, as you all have heard, and uh, asked if we would be interested in interning for him this summer. Uh, to which we obviously agreed by us being here. Um, Pastor, like you said, Pastor and his family have uh, known Curtis and I for pretty much our whole lives, and knowing some of the obligations and engagements that he had this summer, uh, we were very excited to be able to play a part in helping him be able to take care of some of the things that he needed to get done that he might not have been able to do since he wouldn't be able to be present and just help make the whole transition process smoother. I was very excited to be able to have a part in that. The Jets have played a very big role in my life, and uh, I could spend the rest of my life trying to repay them for what I feel like I owe. But, uh, you know, this summer I've been absolutely thrilled to have that opportunity. And, uh, and if that was all that God wanted me to do, was just be a help to pastor, I would have been content with that. But, um, I mean, obviously God decided that that wasn't just all that we had in store. Um, God saw fit that this summer would be a, 
And this is unfortunate because Curtis can talk through crying and I cannot. <laughs> but uh, one of the greatest humbling experiences of my life. I think uh, worthy of mention first and foremost would obviously be the Mowers. Uh, I was told in the phone call that uh, we would uh, be given a place to stay, and I can't read my notes anymore. <laughs> We'd be given a place to stay um, by some folks in the church, for which I would have been grateful if that was it. Um, but it is two entirely different things to be given a place to live and to be given a family to be a part of. And coming from a background where everything that I love, everything that I know, has been something that's always present. This has been um, a good eye-opener and reminder of the nature of how lucky we are for our salvation. I was, I've never been given a family before. I've never been adopted. Uh, I've never been given a home. I've never been given purpose. It's always been there. And so having that opportunity to have these things given to me in spite of I don't, I, never, I didn't know these people. I didn't know any of you when I first got here, and yet all these things being given to me just served as a great reminder for how good God is to us on a daily basis because I did not deserve the experiences that I got to have this summer. Um, anyways, like I said, I could spend all night really telling you about how wonderful the Mowers really are. I was... Adopted in less than a week, I'm living with the family that I have come to love just as much as the one that I'm returning to. And like Curtis said, especially the boys, uh, to see the kind of home and opportunities that you all have been blessed with, the desire to do right that you have, I know that God has something incredible for each and every one of you to do. Um, And that's only if you allow him to grow you like I've watched him do for almost three months and can only really re- reiterate what Curtis said in regards to how special you guys made our summers and how richer you've made our lives um, in the coming future. It's going to be hard not to have that let's go attitude from Josiah who <laughs> jumped on board absolutely everything that we put in front of him. And even on outreach, when we took him for the first time, I asked him, have you done this before? He said, nope, give me that. I want to try. <laughs> I was really shocked and kind of envied that kind of attitude and desire to get involved in some of those things. I'm going to miss Junior's joy and contagious smile and the, the light-hearted atmosphere that he brought to any environment. And for Dan's, what I've come to call his Danisms, um, just quotable moments that weren't really spurred by anything, but Dan encapsulates being content with life where he's at. I've never met someone who's more content to be Dan than Dan. I've never met anyone who's more content to be who they are than Dan. And each of these three boys, in spite of being younger than Curtis and I, I feel like I've learned a valuable lesson from each of them and things that I have personally needed to work on. And that's being content with where I am. And that's being joyful no matter what the circumstances are and being willing to just roll up my shirt sleeves and get down to it if something gets put in front of me. And uh, as my luck would have it, um, that experience of becoming a part of a family was relived again with the whole church here. Um, the, we met the Varguses in the college class at Andrew and Cassie's house the first day that we got here and uh, found that there was a group of people that really could be as weird as we are. <laughs> 
And uh, they sat us down in the middle of some crazy mystic circle and made us one of them almost immediately. (laughs) And again, every family that took us out to eat or had us over and let us know over and over how excited they were for us to be here uh, was humbling. I mean, that's us. We're a couple of green stick punks from college that don't really know what we're doing. And most of the time, to this day, we still don't, even after the summer. Um, but immediately, we, we were connected with everyone who's invested in us. Um, the dinner and fellowship that we've gotten to have with people knitted us to this church from the spirit of hospitality and generosity that's been displayed. Uh, we've loved getting to know various families, Brother Mike and Miss Mary, um, the Wassons, the Visses, the Varguses, the Waltz, Brother Doug and Mrs. Hendricks, the, the Robinsons, the Hashes, and again, many, many other people in here who've been tremendous blessings and huge encouragements to Courage and I. Curtis and I, I mean, we cannot thank you enough for everything that you've done for us for the last three months. Um, first off, I also want to thank Pastor for the, the kind of, I guess, boss that he's been. He's, uh, I appreciated coming to an environment where we learned how to minister without somebody holding our hand. Um, I quickly learned that ministry is not something that you can prepare for by any textbook that you can read. And the standard of excellence that was put in place in addition to the mercy that was shown when that standard was not met, was something that had completely opened my eyes and gave me a new appreciation for the things that people in ministry do every day. And I'm also thankful for the opportunity that Brother Heath gave me to be involved with the youth department. I love all of you and how weird you are as well. Um, I've been allowed to bore each and every one of them with my lessons for many weeks, and I want to thank you for the opportunity and attention that you all gave me during that time. Um, I realize that I'm not much older than you. I don't have that much life experience, but we all have the same respect for the Word of God. I know that you all have been raised in homes where that is prevalent, and I thank you all for having the spirits that you have. I know of many youth groups that have a vast amount of problems that you all don't have to deal with, and I think that's a result of the spirits that you all have, and I thank you for that. Um, I thank each of those, again, who are faithful to come to our outreach and men's prayer meeting, and pastor says this all the time. Uh, the ministries of outreach and prayer are, as I've heard many times, the backbone of any church body. Um, there were several who came regularly every Thursday, and I, I want to, again, thank the college class and the youth specifically for jumping on board when we decided, hey, let's try Saturday morning outreach. Stuff like that doesn't get done without people that are willing to participate, and I think with as many guests as I've seen come in the doors, I, I've had to process several guest cards. I've seen so many people come through, and whether or not that's a direct result of someone handing out a track, I think that's God rewarding the efforts that people have put forth and being faithful in those types of ministries. And again, with the men's prayer meeting, the way that our services go, um, the work that God does here, that's a direct result of men getting together and seeking God's face to be involved in this church. And I want to thank each and every person who made it a part of their week to come and be involved in that. It was, it was, it was humbling, and it was, it was encouraging for me to see. Um, oh, the, and really, there's, there's a whole lot of things that I've been able to see this summer. And I'm going to try to draw this to a close so we can get to the message tonight. But uh, there's been a lot of things that I've seen this summer and even things that I really don't even know I could put into words if I tried. Um, and the verses we're going to read tonight really reflect my heart on the events that transpired this summer. So Philippians chapter 1, uh, we're going to be reading starting in verse number 1 and going down to verse number 6. So Philippians 1, verse 1, it says, Paul and Timotheus the servants of Jesus Christ, 
to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I want to focus on verses 3 through 6 tonight because this has become my heart for Eastside Baptist Church. Um, I know that I've preached a couple of sermons out of Corinthians, and I've told you all how the Corinthians were a church that had a lot of problems, and you can immediately recognize that from reading any of the epistles there, and just the kind of church they were with problems, and I think the church at Philippi is kind of the opposite end of that spectrum. I don't think Paul could have sung the praises of the church at Philippi enough because of their testimony, and not just, it was, they weren't known because of Paul, they were known because of the people, and that, that to me is the testimony of Eastside Baptist Church that I'm going to be taking with me. Um, when I first got here, Pastor told me one thing that really set the tone for this whole summer. is that the success of this summer can be as big as you want it to be. Um, the success of each ministry can be as big as you want it to be. A church can be as fruitful as you want it to be. But you have to want it. And there's been a lot of things that we've seen started here, or at least a lot of things that have grown significantly since we've first gotten here. Uh, the outreach program when we first started was, was very small. And now we have two days for outreach and many people that are faithful participants. And like I've mentioned before, it's God, God gives the increase in that. And I think that you can see by the amount of guests that comes through these doors that God is involved in that. Um, I've watched teenagers surrender their lives at camp. I, I got to go with them, and I got to, got to talk with several of them individually and see how they wanted to yield themselves to God and, and do something great for Him. I've watched children get saved, and I've, I've watched people want to express a desire to be a part of ministries and uh, be involved in them. And I think what's paralleled in the passage here is um, Paul... In verse number 6 expressed that he's, he's confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And the biggest thing that I've come to realize this summer is that, you know, God will always hold up his end of the bargain. Um, pastor preached an excellent message this morning about how we can rely on our source of uh, confidence comes from the strength of who we rely on. And, and God has all strength. And You'll have to, I'm sorry, you'll have to forgive me if my thoughts seem kind of disorganized here. I have so many things bouncing around in my head at one time and so many things that I want to say, but all of the ministries here that are in place, Curtis and I were allowed to be heavily involved in. But one of the biggest things that I want to do is be able to return here and see those ministries have grown even further. And what that takes is a desire for each member to want to see that grow. Um, in order to build outreach, just because, you know, we're not going to be here and we're not going to be able to, even if it's just me and Curtis, you know, someone has to stand up and take control of that. And that could be anybody in this room. And the biggest obstacle that tends to stand in front of people is I'm not, I'm not sure I'm equipped. I'm not sure that I have the time or that I have the abilities to communicate with people. And the, the truth of the matter is, is that that's relying on your own strength. And that we, we have right here... Um, 
uh, a verse that shows us we can be confident in, in what God can do through us and that he is able to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's able to continue to allow things to flourish until the day that the Lord comes back. So those ministries can be as big as you want them to be. Again, like I said, I watch teenagers surrender your lives. Guys, your lives can be as used for God as you want them to be. It has to come from a state of surrender, and you have to want that. I think it's fitting that uh, Dr. Hardy's here. He actually, several years ago at a, at a, college, at a high school graduation, I believe, for his grandson, um, he talked about how much of a shame it would be to know how capable you are to live your life for the Lord but settle for mediocrity, even just like Curtis just said. And that, that's something that you ought to stick with you is that, you know, you can be so much more than mediocre. You can become so much more than a statistic, but you have to want that. I've watched, I've watched people get, again, I've watched people get saved. Junior, I watched you get saved, man. I've watched other people in this room accept Jesus Christ. And Junior, you can be something, but you've got to want it. You've got to grow. And you have to, ah, I'm sorry, you have to be confident that God is going to perform a work in you. But you have to want that. Josiah, you've jumped on board absolutely everything. And I've been so encouraged by you and your desire to, to be a help to us and be involved in this church. And just to turn around from where I know that you've been and seeing your potential, knowing where you could be, you've got to want that. And to each and every one in this church, again, the ministries that you're involved in, teachers, bus, bus workers, you know, cooks, people that do the prison ministry, people that go out on visitation, these ministries can be as big as you want them to be. And I can't, I can't stress that enough. Because my biggest desire is to come back. I love this church. If I had a choice, I don't want to go. I would stay here. But if, if I had the opportunity to come back, my biggest desire is that this church continues to grow and that it can continue to be everything that the Lord wants it to be. God is always going to be faithful to keep his end of the bargain. And he's going to see through what he starts no matter what. And what an honor it would be to be a tool for him to, be, to do that. And uh, I apologize that this isn't quite a formal message. And that this was me more or less bearing my heart out to you. And sometimes I don't think that that's wrong because I have a love for you all that I think deserve to be expressed. And you all have been a wonderful church to be a part of. And thank you for being the kind of place where serving you was... Serving you here has made going home one of the hardest things I've ever done because I'm home here. And this church has so much potential to grow. And I want you to know my heart is to see that. And so my encouragement to you all tonight is that be confident that God's begun a lot of things here. And God's going to carry those things through here, but you've got to want it. And God will grow it. So thank you very much for your attention tonight. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.